You know, I'm really excited to talk to you today, um, especially after Mark and Dave's messages. They were so good, weren't they? They blessed my heart, both of them. I know I, um, we had to bounce a little early for Dave, but I went back and listened to it. It was so good. Um, you know, Mark, two weeks ago, if you weren't here, he had a really great challenge for us. Uh, are we showing the people in our lives, that's everybody, just not the people we like, are we showing them the love of God, the agape love of God, or are we just being polite? You know, and that convicted my heart. I you know, was grown up and taught to be polite, and a lot of times I do the exact same thing that you were talking about, Mark. Like, I'm just nice to people, and, it's, and I think that that's showing the love of God, but I'm not actually loving them. I'm just walling them off in this my nice box. You know, even the people I don't like, I don't care for, um, that's super convicting, and it's something that we need to be walking in because God truly loves us, isn't it? And Dave shared last week, and I love something he explained about God being pleased by faith. He said that God is a happy and proud father, and it pleases him when you live by faith because you, he knows it's going to be good for you. And I always used to have this idea, like, growing up, that God was only pleased if we had faith. And that didn't make any sense to me. I didn't really understand what faith was. And so it's like God is angry, and then you, like, put in a faith quarter, and that makes him happy. And then on, then, but then it runs out in time, you know, something like that. That was so great, such a great, like, explanation and example for us to walk in. I'm actually going to be right in their vein. Okay, I didn't wait to the end and then like put them all together to make it. But I want to talk about heaven on earth. And really, both of, both of their messages were really talking about that. When we walk by faith, we walk like God walked. You know, when he came to earth in the very beginning, he didn't look at the dark earth and say, oh, it's dark out there. You know, oh, then it's got darker, you know, right? He said, let there be light. He walked by faith. And he also walked in love. God walks in love, and he's actually the true picture of love for us. So I want to start with a story. Is that okay? Some of you that have been here longer have heard this story before, but you may not remember it, so I can tell it again. I've waited long enough that I can tell this, you know, you know, have you ever had the, that relative that you, every time you come over, they tell you the same story? That's me. <laughs> Here I am. Um, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay, about, I think it was in 2016, I went to a conference out in Colorado for, with, that was Andrew Walmack's conference. It was called Healing is Here. And at that time in my life, I don't, it was before I had started coming here, right before I started coming to church at Plum Tree. And I had been reading about miracles. I'd been excited about healing, but I'd really never seen anyone healed. I'd never seen anything like any of that kind of thing happen. And so I had this, like a theology set up. I didn't have any, I grew up not having any grid for healing. Um, you know, I, we prayed for people that were sick and we said, Lord, you know, guide the hands of the surgeon kind of prayer, which is not, no, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not praying for healing, we never saw, thusly, we never really saw anyone get healed. Or at least not that we believed, you know, we were like, oh, well, you got better, you know, it's just a, just a, what a lucky coincidence, you know, what a, what a strange thing to say. Anyway, um, so we, we, we come to Karis, and 
there are so many people getting healed, and I'm sitting right up on the front row, and I'm, I'm ready to watch. Like, the prayer ministers come up, and I'm watching them. I'm watching every person, and, like, I see some people getting prayer, and they're, you know, they're walking back to their seat, but I see some people, and I, like, see them get healed. And I'm so excited. I'm just sitting right there on the front row. I got so excited, I could not contain myself, and I walked into the back, like, out the back doors. And I was, like, talking to God. I was so excited. I was like, God, I finally made it. Like, here I am. I'm finally here. And God said something to me, and it was like crystal clear. It wasn't audible, but it was crystal clear. And it just like, almost like he, have you ever been like walking along and when you were a kid maybe and your friend stuck their leg out and like tripped you? You were not, just definitely not prepared for it? That was how I felt. He said, Aaron, if you, if that isn't you, if that isn't your life, it's not good enough just to see these things. If that isn't your life, you're no different than you were before when you didn't know anything about healing. And I was like, oh, that is so true, God. Like that, like, totally changed my heart right in there in that moment. Um, it was definitely pivotal for me. So I wish that that was all I needed to immediately walk in everything that God had for me. I wish that that was the, like, that was the key. But it wasn't. It was just really the start of my walk with God. Like, I felt like I'd been walking with God and learning a lot about the Bible. I'd memorized books of the Bible up to that point. But really, that was my point. I can look back, and that was when I started to walk in the things of God and follow after what his kingdom was like. So that's what I want to talk about is God's kingdom. You know, no matter what place we are at our journey with God, whether we just started yesterday or really a minute ago, or we've been doing this for a long, lot longer than I've been alive. Um, some of you have. Some of you have been saved for longer than I've been living. And you have great stories of things where you've seen God come through. You've seen pictures of the kingdom that I have not got there yet. You know, but wherever we are, we know one thing. That God's greater glory is ahead. Like as we move forward, his greater glory is ahead. It's not in like the past. It's, going, it's getting greater and greater. And whether we like it or not, we're also representatives of God's kingdom. Um, can you put up the verse 2 Corinthians 5.20? If, you if you're in your Bible, you can turn with me. By the way, welcome to all you who are online. Okay, so it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's telling them that we are ambassadors for Christ. Does anybody remember who the Corinthians were? They had problems, big problems, had big problems. And he was saying to them, we are ambassadors for Christ. So it's not just like you can't just look at the big guys, the people that you see on TV or the great ministers, you know, Billy Graham, somebody like that. Oh, he's an ambassador for for Christ. No, it says we are ambassadors for Christ. So no matter where you are, if you're in this room, if you've believed on Jesus, you're an ambassador for Christ. Now, this should excite us, but can I tell you that for years, this was like something that was like made me scared. It was almost unattainable. It's like, you know, straighten up. There's a story that um, my brother's wife tells. 
um, there was a lady that came to her church and she was praying over the teens. And she was praying, Christ on you, Christ on you. And she got to one teen and she said, don't disappoint us. It was that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it was that feeling of, that's, that was that verse was familiar for me. Like, don't disappoint us. You're an ambassador for Christ. And one day I was praying about that. And um, I felt like God said to me, Aaron, how many times a day do you think an ambassador of an important country worries about their behavior? I'd never thought about that before. I was like, well, not much. I, I've never been an ambassador of an important country, but my guess is not much. They probably don't think about how they're going to act. Um, because the interests of the nation they're representing are more important and that causes them, they automatically know how important it is. They're not worried about their behavior. And I felt God say, exactly. Something else I realized when I was spending time with God was that ambassadors, they don't get paid the going rate of the country. Just think if American ambassadors were like paid whatever, you know, the rate of some third world country. We want you to go to this third world country, but you don't get any money for gas. You get paid $3 a day. No one's going to sign up for that ambassadorship. They're like, I'm not going. You know, They get paid the American rate and normally very well. Like It's a great job. Everybody wants a job of an ambassador except to you know, like countries that are at war with us. Or, you, know, you don't want to be at that one. It's a lot of work. But it's a great... Um, this job is paid not based on the place that you live. Because so I, I realized that if we're ambassadors for God... We have to be ambassadors of a country. So what country are we ambassadors of? It's not America, right? We're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. However, and I'll get to this in a moment, we haven't been there yet. I'll talk more about that. My main takeaway from my time with God was I realized as an ambassador, it was my responsibility to learn as much about the nation, or in this case, the kingdom, as I could. Okay, imagine with me for a minute. You're suddenly approached by a wealthy and powerful nation because, you see, they found out that you are related to the, the throne. You are related to the king. And they want you to be an ambassador to your country. So a lot of things would probably change in your life. You know, you probably wouldn't have the job that you have now. You probably wouldn't be worried about a lot of the things you're worried about now. Your mindset would entirely be changed in an instant. All of a sudden, a lot of the things that we worry about on a day-to-day -day basis, like whether it's the gas in our cars or, you know, are we going to be able to run an errand or not, those things are automatically taken care of for us. There's somebody else to do that. Right? We don't even have to worry about like taking our car to the garage. Someone else does that. We have a brand new car. Every time we step outside, the door opens, we step into our car, right? Okay, so first of all, they'd pay you the na their nation's wage and not you know, wherever you're at. All the best technology and knowledge of the nation would be yours. You know, just think about an American country I mean, America, the country of America, if you went and you were an ambassador to you know, Zimbabwe or something, they're not going to let you, you're not going to have to be, work with just Zimbabwean technology. You know, you're not going to have to go to the Zimbabwe doctor. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, well, you're an ambassador, but you don't get American health care. 
You know, you have to go to the witch doctor or whatever, you know. And all of a sudden, you'd be truly living in a different echelon of people, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, the, the, like, even your friends, all of a sudden, you just would not connect with them. They would be like, oh, yeah, well, my man, my car broke down. You'd be like, I have no idea of what that's like anymore, you know. I have someone that takes care of that stuff. And then you would say, well, you know, I'm really worried about, you know, these nuclear weapons and proliferation of these weapons. Um, and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, where you're thinking, your thought patterns would be on such a different level than what the people around you would be thinking. Think of what a learning curve it would be to become an ambassador. There would actually be a huge learning curve that like, even like the American government normally doesn't pick people who have never done anything to be an ambassador. They normally pick someone who's been in politics for a long time. They may have connections to that country. But their main objective isn't to learn about the country they're in. Their main objective is to represent the country they're from, they're representing, right? Okay. Do you think for a minute, or at least maybe the, a year leading up, that it would be confusing to you which life you were living? You'd be stepping into this thing and like, sometimes you might have one foot in your old life, like, oh, I've got to do these things that I used to do. And one foot in your new life, like, oh, I don't have to worry about those things anymore. You know, it's just, it would be a time of transition. In case you haven't realized it yet, we're not talking about this imaginary thing, but this is real. Every one of us are an ambassador to a kingdom that we haven't visited yet. I believe one of our greatest challenges as Christians is that we've not allowed the reality of God's kingdom to change our expectation. You know, we look at, we are actually an ambassador of another nation, yet we, a lot of times we find ourselves living in the same situations as the life that we had before. We still are falling in these things that we're focusing on, right? Okay. Um, can we turn to Revelation eleven fifteen? We can quote the promises of God, but many times we're forced to admit that we haven't seen these things come to pass in our lives or those around us. That's like something that's sad to me. It's sad to all of us. It's like disappointment. Julie and I talked about that the last time we spoke. Um, but there are also times that we could point to in our life that are definitely from the kingdom of God. What should we expect, the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of our Lord? Well, Revelation 11.15 shows what our expectation should be. Then, uh, is it 11.11? 11.15? Okay. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I think they made a song about that. Um, he shall reign forever and ever, just in case. And ever and ever, hallelujah. Yeah, right. um, this is the end, right? This is the picture of the end. This is what Revelation is showing us. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Okay, so we can see where, what our expectations should be. Okay, you might say, well, no one else recognizes the kingdom of heaven as a real place in this world, right? 
And that's a big problem. You know, some people think that that's the biggest problem. But you just can't go to the president of America and get him to honor the reality of God's kingdom. It's just not fully arrived yet. And then other people might be thinking, okay, I know all these things that you've, you've brought me to me, but how do I see it? How do I see the kingdom of God? How do I demonstrate the kingdom of God? Okay, so I've spent a lot of time with both of these questions before God. One time I was asking God about these things. We started um, talking. I felt him say, Aaron, who in the Bible lived in a land that was promised but lived there as a foreigner? I had to think for a second. Um, but I have to say, I was talking to Julia, and I was like, when God told me that, I was, I was actually drawing a blank. I was like, I mean, like, I guess everybody, you know. But Julia was right. I was reading this to her, and I was talking these things through, and she said, well, Abraham. I was like, yeah, that's true. That's, that's correct. So if you'll turn to Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. We're going to read about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not go, knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So God told Abraham to go to a place that was promised to him, yet he lived there as a foreigner. Does that sound like somebody that you know? It sounds like us. We were called to go to a place and live in a place that we were told in the end, just like in Revelation, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord. This will be yours. But you're walking through a place where you are a foreigner. So I was asking God about this, and I was like, that's, that's really interesting. And I felt like God say to me, Abraham is the key to your question. So how to see the kingdom of God? And what about people that don't like believe in God? Okay. So in Romans 4:16 and 18, if you can pull that up in the New Living, Paul speaks about Abraham again. And he says, "So the promise is received by faith." It's given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Okay, so Paul is speaking about Abraham again, and he's teaching us something. And you may have had this revelation, but at the time, I did not. And God telling me that Abraham was the key to walking in the things of God, I didn't realize that Paul is really saying that right here. He said he's the father of all who believe, of all who are in faith. So we want to live lives of faith, don't we? Do we know that the Bible says that through faith we inherit the promises? So through faith we inherit the promises, and Abraham is a father, or could we say pattern, of all who believe. So those are in faith. So I began to study Abraham. Okay. And 
I started to see how Abraham was the key. And uh, I've been talking, I've been going past my notes. Okay, so if Abraham is the pattern for us, what does Paul point out that he does? Okay, so we can, we, you guys probably remember the story of Abraham. He didn't always like live in a great life of faith. You know, it didn't look like he was really successful. But Paul points out the things that he did in this verse. So if you'll turn to um, verse 18 in Romans, still in Romans, but you can, can you turn it to the New King James? Okay, so in verse 18, it says, Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. This is talking about Abraham. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he was promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, so there, like verse 22, is showing us, therefore, because of these reasons, he was accounted to him as righteousness. He received, right? He got the kingdom. Okay? So is that, the, are we here? Are you with me? Are you jiving with me? Good? We riding along? Okay, cool. Okay. So let me break these things down. First, Abraham, contrary to all normal expectation, that's what it says, like contrary to hope, contrary to all normal expectations, was believed God, believed in the hope that God gave him through his promise. Okay? You with me? Number one. Number two. Abraham, was, it says, was not weak in faith. I actually looked this up in the Greek. It actually says, because we, in my American mind, I say, I say strong in faith. Like Abraham was strong in faith. But actually, the Greek says, Abraham was not weak in faith. It didn't say he was strong. It just said he wasn't weak. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we don't feel strong. That's not part of the requirement. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to have strong faith. You just don't have to, just don't be weak. Yeah, think about that. Isn't that amazing? Okay, third, and I think this may be the most important point of what Abraham did. And it's something that I see myself and people around me get caught up in very easily. This is something that's so easy for us to get caught up into. Abraham did not consider his own body or Sarah's body. It doesn't say that Abraham denied his body or denied his age or denied the the situation, but he did not consider it. In this story, we would call those things like his body and his age important factors. Just imagine this. If there was like we're going to have a prayer meeting and I came to you and said, you guys, can you pray for a couple there? You know, they're believing for a baby. They're believing to have a baby. And they've been, they've, been really, they've been really wanting this child, and they, they haven't been able to, to have a baby yet. And you would say, oh, yeah, well, sure, you know, what's the couple's name? Well, Abraham and Sarah. Well, okay, well, how long have they uh, they've been wanting a baby? About, you know, they've been trying for about 80 years. You know, <laughs> 80 years? Oh, you know, calm down, <laughs> you know? 
Well, well they've, been, they've gotten this promise from God. They're believing. They've been believing for 80 years. We, we in our minds immediately turn off, right? Like there's nothing to expect. You're, you've been trying for 80 years. You're 100 years old, man. You know, it's time to hang it up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's time to quit. But it says, what I think the key is here, Abraham did not consider. He didn't deny, but he did not think about it. He's like, that doesn't, that's not a pertinent fact to this situation. How many times do we look at our situation first? We don't look, because it says that he looked at the promise of God first. But we look around and we see all of these things and all these problems and all of these setbacks. And we look at whatever it is we're looking at as a metric. And that's our first thing that we consider. How's my bank account doing? Well, let me look at my number. You know, oops, not very nice. <laughs> Close that bank account, you know, or whatever. You know, we look at that number first and then we pray, God, bless my bank account. And then we go back and then we look at our bank account. Oh, no, it's still the same. And we keep going back and looking at that metric. And that's the thing that we consider as whether we're getting what God has promised or not. But that's not what Abraham did. That's not how he did it. He did not consider those things. He did not consider the metrics. He didn't consider, you know, every year is going by. Things are not getting better on the child front, you know. At some point, because you, know, you know, you had to keep trying for children. At some point, someone probably was like, Abraham, quit. You know, we live in tents. Quit doing it. <laughs> quit trying. Quit trying for a baby, you know. But he didn't. Okay. It says, then after that, because I think we think that this is the most important thing. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened by faith. I know a lot of people that would say that's the most important thing. You can't waver at the promise of God. You can't get into unbelief. You don't get into unbelief. You know, those are the things you got to hold on to. But actually, I don't think that he would be able to do that if he was considering his body. Because if you think about it, if you keep considering that, you will waver. By, just by considering it, you got to be like, oh, this is not looking good. Things are not looking good. But because that came first, that he didn't consider his own body, he was able to look at the promise of God and say, that's it. That is the promise of God. And I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to change what I believe because God said it. Now, I want you to think about this. We have a lot of stories. We are so blessed to live right where we're at right now. This is some of the most exciting times that have ever happened in history. And here we are. But we also have the benefit of having a plethora, a great cloud of witnesses of faith stories, of um, examples of people receiving from God. In fact, I bet you can go on the internet, and if you're believing God for something, if you type in those things, you can find someone else with a testimony of pretty much the same thing. But Abraham had never had that. We don't even know if anyone else has had a child at his age afterwards. He needed nobody, and no, also no one else believed in God. So if you think about it, he lived in a place, walking around, and you know, remember, God changed his name to Father of Many. So he shakes everyone's hand. Hey, I'm father of many. Hey, I'm father of many. You know? And they're like, well, where are your kids? No kids yet. 
Why are you called that? Well, God changed my name, see? You know, think about that. And these people do not believe in God. Well, what God? Which God? Well, the, you know, my God. Oh, okay. Just one? Yeah, just one, you know? Just think about that. Where he stood alone, all he had was God's promise. He didn't even have the word to open up and be like, oh, look, look at the great heroes of the faith. You know, David and all these other people. He didn't have anything. You know, he just had one word from God. In fact, um, Paul says that that word was, so shall your descendants be. That was the word that he stood on. And if I'll be honest with you, if God said, so shall your descendants be, I'd be like, you're going to have to give me more than that, God. <laughs> Can you give me a little booklet? How about some pictures or something, you know? You know, why would you stand on this one word? And people had to come by and be like, Abraham, you know, you're going to have to let that one good go. It's good that you got God. It's good that he loves you. But, you know, this one's not going to happen. Because of all this, being fully convinced of what God had promised, God was able to perform. So when it says and right there, can you go back to verse 21? This and, I looked this up because I was looking it up in the Greek. This and means... Not just like we use and, we say a bike and roller skates. Well, that's both of them, but we would say a bike and roller skates and a phone. You know, three things. This means, this word and means because of all the things that I've said before. It's almost like a therefore. It's like a cumulative effect. Because of all these things that he's done before, he was fully convinced he didn't become fully convinced in the beginning. He became fully convinced after he did the other things. And that locked it in. After like he did all these things like he was building like a, like a cart or he was building a armor. He was building this and this got strong. And then because of all this, he became fully convinced. No one else was going to talk him off of his, you know, where he was believing God. A lot of times I think we think that we need to become fully convinced before we've done the other steps. And then we keep looking back. We keep looking at our situation. We keep looking what other people are saying. And we're like, well, I don't even see anyone else around me that's getting these things. You know, why would I expect these things? So also, while I was looking in the Greek, I want to talk about the word consider. Because he said he does not consider his body. And I think that, that we should understand what that word means in the Greek, but it's not really, really um, surprising. It means to observe fully, to behold, to discern, to perceive. And so I have a question. What are we observing fully? What are we perceiving? What are we discerning? You know, is it, are we looking at the news to tell us how we're doing? Are we looking at you know, the stock market to tell us how our investments are going? Are we looking at our bank account? Are we looking at our health? Are we saying, how, buddy, how do we feel today? You know, are, we, are those the things that we're fully looking at? Or are we looking at, reconsidering God's word? The promises of God. What we consider 
leads that thing to becoming the most powerful thing in our life. When we start looking at something, that's the same reason that God said, don't have any other gods before me. Like, don't have it in front of me. Don't consider these things before me. Because it didn't, the interesting thing about that verse, don't have any other gods before me, God doesn't say, don't have any gods at all. He's saying, don't have things. When you take things and you put these things in front of you and you put them before God, they become the most important thing in your life, even though they're tiny. It's like if you take this pen and you put this pen right in front of your eye and you don't poke your eye. Don't do this, little kids. Um, <laughs> this, the pen will be all that you see. The pen is not that important. That is not an important thing. But because I focused on this and I've made this the focus, it becomes the most riveting thing, the most important thing in my life. Okay. So... I did a word search on consider. So I just searched the Bible, and what I found was interesting. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 12, 24, we're not going to flip to these. I'm just going to kind of run through them. It says, to consider what great thing God has done for us. Okay? So we should consider that. Consider the great things God's done for us. Um, in Romans eight eighteen, Paul says he doesn't consider that the sufferings of his time to be worthy compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, so he said he didn't consider his sufferings, but he, he, that, they were, that the glory that, we were go, that was going to be revealed in our bodies was greater than his sufferings. So he did not consider his sufferings. Okay, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir, to stir up love and good works. Okay, so not to check out what newest toy somebody has. Um, in Acts 20, 24, Paul says, but none of these things, which were his imprisonment and all the bad things that had happened to him, move me, nor do I consider, some translations say count, but it's also the same word as consider, my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's talking to the elders of Ephesus, and he's actually sharing with them some of his secrets for running the race. He's like telling them, like, here's, I'm going to give you this, these are the important things to know. I do not consider the things that are happening in my life, the bad things, his, whatever was coming against him, so that, he could finish his race with joy. If you take that mathematically apart, if he did consider those things, he would not be able to finish his race with joy. So how can we, sometimes I think that we go about life and we're like, let's see if we can. <laughs> let's see if I can check my bank account and finish my race with joy. Well, let's see if I can, you know, check this thing. You know, we consider the things in our life happening first. And then we consider the promise of God and say, well, I, but I know God's good. Then we go back, but I'm not doing well. You know, but I know God's good, but I'm not doing well. But Paul's saying that he doesn't consider those things, the life not going good. And then that allows him to finish his race with joy. 
another interesting thing that I noticed is that the Bible doesn't really ever mention considering our bodies anywhere. Like in the manner of healing or anything anywhere else. It doesn't say, like, consider your body. Other than this one time, it says in Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay. Which I, I grew up with this verse. Like, make sure you don't get tempted. Make sure you know, consider yourself so you, don't, you aren't tempted. But look at what he's saying, actually. He says, you who are spiritual. So he, he's only the spiritual people are to consider themselves. But what are they considering? Well, they're considering their spirit, obviously. Because if, if those who have had the spirit of God in them that are walking by the spirit, who's themselves? Who can we tell, say, for those of us who are spiritual, we know the spirit, it's not us living, but it's Jesus living inside of us. It's our spirit. So then we're considering Jesus so that we aren't tempted. If we're considering our flesh, it's tempted, right? Like our flesh is tempted, but we're considering Jesus. We're considering our spirit so we're not tempted. Okay. So we have lots of verses considering who God is. And not considering our flesh. So how do we do that? How do we not consider those things? Especially when they're screaming at us. Because normally those things, our senses have a way. Ever since the fall, you know, it says Adam and Eve's eyes were open and immediately they were afraid. I think that more things happened than just their eyes were open. They started realizing their sense realm became the most important thing. And now all of a sudden, they're not walking in the spirit anymore. They're walking in their sense realm. They're walking in what can I see? What can I feel? What can I taste? What can I touch? You know, these things now are all scary things. When they're walking in the spirit, they're walking in a place just like God. They've got control of all these things. When we walk in the spirit, the spirit is over top of the natural. God who's a spirit, created everything which is natural. So if something creates something else, it's more important, right? It's just got more power. They w went from that of walking in that power to now all of a sudden their spirits are dead. And they look and all that's left are their sense realm. So since that time until now, the thing that has ruled our lives is our senses. We learn not to touch hot things. We learn, you know... That not to ride too fast on our bike or we'll scrape our knee and get hurt. So we learn all these things, but these are the things that God designed us to learn, actually. This is not what God designed Adam and Eve to do. We see these things as very natural things, but actually what we're learning is a very sense-dominated realm. And if Abraham didn't make it on his senses, we probably won't make it on our senses either. You know? Think about that. Okay, let me see how much time we have. Okay. I think one of the keys to not considering is to change our focus. What are the promises of God in your life? And not just what are the promises of God in total, because God's got a lot of promises. And you can go through the Bible and you can pull out a lot of promises, but what are his promises to you? 
specifically. Because when God told Abraham, and he gave him a promise, he gave him two things to look at, to focus on. He said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky, and your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. Where did he live? Lived in the desert. All you see, sand, stars. That's it. There's no trees, there's nothing else. God said, here's the two things to focus on. Everything you see, that's, that's your kids. All little kids, you know? And when you see the stars, when you look, when you lay down at night and your tents open and you look up and all you can see are stars, just think about what the stars they could see. There's no lights. You know, it would be amazing. Um, those are your descendants. So God gave Abraham things to look at, but it was, he didn't give him a whole book of things. He didn't say, here is your book of promises, and you must learn and memorize every promise in order to be able to get them. But Abraham walked in more than just having Isaac, right? He walked in prosperity. He walked in health. I mean, he lived a long time, you know? And we can see that he was healthy even to the, like when he's older. So he's had Isaac a hundred, and he's like throwing a ball with Isaac, you know? Think about that. Just the, what it would take, just don't, you don't have to imagine, but however old you are, having a child now. You know, some of us are younger, but some of us, some of us in here are not as, not as young. You probably wouldn't want any kids right now, you know? But, <laughs> uh, you know, the ones you got are enough, you know? Um, but, but God gave him two things to look at. What's God giving you to look at? What's God giving you to focus on? And when you change your focus away from your problems to what God's telling you to focus on, then you can begin to walk in the kingdom of God. Okay, so we know that we're living in a wave of the kingdom. You know, we are, the kingdom is growing and it's getting greater and greater. The world's getting darker and darker. We can see that everywhere. But like I've told my wife a lot lately, have you ever seen any darkness that can stop a flashlight? The darkest place, never, it never works. That The flashlight is never stopped. In fact, the darker things get, the lesser of a flashlight you need. You can have one of those little keychain things. It's like this big, and you're like, boop. In the daylight, it doesn't work very well. When it's pitch black, man, it's like a spotlight. You're like, wow, that thing really works. You know? But think about that. We live in a place that's getting darker and darker, but we're riding on a wave of the kingdom. It's our job to bring the kingdom for us. And, but it's not because God has set us here and he's like, oh yeah, finally someone that to get some work done. You know, that's not what he set us here to do. He put us here because he loves us. He wants us to receive what he has for us now. It's not good enough just to wait to heaven. If we wait till heaven, what good would is our life here? It's no good. We should have been raptured right as soon as we got saved. You'd be like, you know, everyone got saved and they'd just be like, you know, just think of a big Reinhard Bonnke crusade or something. Half of the people disappeared, you know, but the God has a plan for each one of us and he wants to make our lives here really great. 
He wants us to walk in amazing things. He wants us to have testimonies because there are no good, there are not going to be any testimonies in heaven. There are not going to be new ones made. You know, when the, all the testimonies that we have are being made right here, right now, today. So as we ride on this wave of the kingdom, we've got to focus on the promises of God. That's what's carrying us, isn't it? So what's God's promise to you? God told Abraham that his focus was to be, so shall your descendants be. And many times we need to think about the huge list of verses that we have memorized somewhere and forget them and focus on the one that God's given us for this period in our lives. To forget about all the things whether our past experiences, whether we've received something or we haven't. We need to forget about all those things and focus on God. We need not to consider what um, our situation is, whether it's, you know, our body, our finances, you name it. You know, you guys know what your situation is. I know what some of your situation is and some of you I don't, you know. But you, I know this. God is true. And he loves you. That's why he does this. It's through his great love that's energizing. If you focus on those things, you'll begin to walk in greater revelation, greater anointing, greater uh, kingdom. What some of you might say, Aaron, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how bad it's been. You don't understand what they've done to me, that we don't understand how I've been treated. And I can say, no, I probably don't. But I do know someone who does, and it's God. He actually cares for you specifically. So take God up at his word when he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you could just take a minute, close your eyes. I want you to focus on the things that you believe are holding you back from your next step. Whatever that thing is, just see it in your mind's eye. That thing is heavy. But God never said that you had to lift it. He just said, come to me. So I want you to say, Jesus, I come to you. Now, I just want in your mind, just imagine him reaching down and picking that thing up, whatever it is. And removing it from you. All right, now I want you to say, Jesus, what promise do you have for me? I believe some of you are receiving right now what that promise is for you. Jesus is speaking to you right now. 
And I want to encourage you. You guys can look back up at me. Go home and write that down. Focus on that thing. Focus on the promise that he has for you. Don't focus on those things that are pulling you down. You're not going to see what God wants you to see as long as your focus is on those things. You have to be focused on God's promise because with patience, we inherit the promises, don't we? My challenge is this. Are we going to live our lives the same way with whatever successes and failures that we have? Are we going to align ourselves with God? Are we going to align ourselves with his promises and with his grace? And it's our choice. You know, God said, I put before you this day, he's talking to the Israelites, life or death, blessings or cursings. Choose life. God has a, he's like, let me tell you what to choose. I'm going to give you the choice, but I'm going to tell you what to choose. Choose life that you and your descendants can live. I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for every person that came today, every um, person watching now on live stream. God, I pray that they would see your goodness in the land of the living. I thank you that they will see your mighty hand in their life, that they would see your loving hand, that they would feel your peace. Thank you that you have given us such great and amazing promises that are found in your word. Thank you that you speak to us and that you give us great promises, right, that are specific for us. We praise your name. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys are dismissed.